And so when I talk about tax liens, I just tell people it's just a strategy, mm-hmm. right? There are a lot of retirees who they put hundreds of thousand dollars into tax liens in Florida because they know at the end of the day, in the next six months to two years, they're going to get 18 cent percent returns on their money. Mm-hmm. What bank is going to do that for them? Yeah. So what's, I guess, what's the downside? Why wouldn't, like, why would everybody do that? I mean, 18% return. Every city is different. Every place is different. South Carolina. Welcome to House Rich, the real estate show. We talk to average people that have done above average things in real estate. So today we're going to talk to Erica Williams, host of the Classic Climb YouTube channel. Uh, she got about 60,000 subscribers there. She talks about pretty much everything. You look financial education, financial freedom side hustles, real estate, everything in between. So we're going to learn a little bit more about her, uh, specifically diving into a little bit about tax liens, but talk about pretty much, uh, talk about a lot of topics. So it should be a very, very interesting uh, interview. Maybe get into how to, how to build a YouTube channel if we get into to that, that area. <laughs> as, as, we as, can do as, it. As well. So um, cool. Once again, appreciate you uh, joining me. Did you introduce yourself to the, uh, the good folks? What's up, everybody? This is your girl, Erica, from the Classy Climb blog, uh, coming to you from YouTube and from all over, wherever we are at right now on the internet. Okay, cool. So, um, I said, I appreciate you you joining me. So, I followed your YouTube channel maybe for about five or six months, and I was watching a video a couple couple weeks ago. Well, sorry, let me before I jump to that, you tell us a little bit about your about your background. I know we were talking about before that how you you were in North Carolina. You decided to make the move to come out to to here in <laughs> Texas, um, and just just the move from North Carolina into Texas. Now you kind of started your journey, um, from uh, the small entrepreneurship journey with the little painting job you had there to to building this uh, YouTube channel, kind of putting out information to the masses like you do now. Listen, you guys, so the biggest thing that came out of that is making a decision and going, right? So I was in North Carolina. I had lost my uh, coffee shop business. Uh, it, you know, the, the road, they had worked on the construction. We just end up having to close uh, for those reasons. And so when, what I realized is, hey, I'm not getting married to this guy. My business is closed. The best thing for me to do is get a new start somewhere else. Where can I go? I was like, I could go to Raleigh, I could go to Charlotte. That wasn't far enough for the heartache. So I flipped the coin. It was going to be Nashville, Tennessee, or Austin, Texas. And Austin, Texas, it was, right? So we got there, uh, worked our butt off, delivered pizzas in hot degree, 100 degree Texas sun in the afternoons. And in the daytime, we worked as an apartment manager. And so what I ended up learning is like, I could see real estate. I was close to real estate, but I was on the outside. And one of the biggest two things, I think I didn't tell them this before we started, but the two biggest things that deter- moved me forward, I was at this job. There was a young lady I was giving leads to. Now, you're not supposed to do this. You know, don't, don't do what I do, but just saying people do it all the time. I was a apartment manager, billings manager. And when people couldn't get approved or we had some kind of issue, I go, hey, here's this agent I know who could help you find a better apartment choice. Okay. Right. Which is a simple referral. This is how I became, a, this is how I have 250 affiliate marketing folks on my YouTube channel now. It just became natural to me. Right. I'm, like, right. I'm a go-giver. I'm like, here you go. Here's this girl's number. She can help you get what you need, right? Get an apartment you need. Well, Texas has a thing. If you're a Texas real estate agent, you know, if I if I give you a referral, but I'm not an agent, you can only give me a fifty dollar card, right? Okay. And one day I looked up in my desk, and I had I think I had like seventy or eighty of these fifty dollar cards. So anytime we want to go do lunch or whatever, I just dig my hand in this card. I give it like, yeah, let's lunch on me. And one of the girls in there laughed at me and said, you realize you just gave this girl $80,000 and you got a bunch of cards. Uh-huh. And I looked down, I was like, ouch. One, cause she was petty. Two, I was <laughs> like, I did the math. You're right. I'm in here working my butt off as apartment manager and still delivering pizzas at night, investing that side money, of course, but yeah. oh my God, I just gave this girl. Cause you know, you get first month's rent. 
as a real estate agent and get hundred yeah. you know first month's rent. So if if she's sending them to a thousand thousand five hundred dollar apartments and getting the commission, I just gave her eighty ninety thousand dollars for the year, uh-huh. and I got a bunch of fifty dollar gift cards. Yeah, and immediately the light bulb was like, uh uh-uh, uh, we're gonna go get our license, and you know that that's already the door to get out of apartment management, but also. And the same token, we had a painting guy come in and we were always outsourcing the work to him. And I'm telling the bosses, hey, y'all, if we just hire a guy for 50K a year, this would be so great. And, and we can save so much money and, and listen, listen to me. And everybody's pretty much like, uh, yeah, shut up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah, in a corporate, nice way. Yeah. Like that's not your decision to make. Like just keep doing the bills, right? By the end of the year, because we did a massive turnover and all these units, like 120 units got empty. When it was just a small, like, hey, we're just paying him 100, you know, 50K a year outsourcing, we ended up paying that painter like 300000 or $450,000 by, mm-hmm. by what was all said and done, outsourcing. So when, you know, I was on the work every day, like, I told y'all, mm-hmm. <laughs> we could have had a full-time painter every day here, you know. Was it a company or just, just one guy doing all those jobs? It was one guy. He, he okay. bid it. He was our company. You know, he was like... Okay. And so what he would do is he would send some Hispanic workers, pay them like $15 an hour, and they'd go paint as many as they could every day. But because of the massive turnover, yeah. it's like they were there every day. And then once a, once in a while, he would come in and be like, hey, everybody, just this big, goofy, smiling, 32-year-old white dude laughing because it, it was a jackpot for him that year. He's paying these guys maybe $12, $15 an hour to paint all day. And, no, you no, know, no, no. Yeah, it's money to be made and be in the middle, man. He was just pushing yes. out the jobs, yeah. And so for me, that was the sign, right? That was like, hey, dude, can I take you to lunch? Can I find out how to do this? And so me and my friend literally the next day were like, we're starting a paint company. (laughs) And that kind of took off more because it allowed me to do more YouTube videos, you know, where I was just kind of first getting pushing out there financial information that I was learning Mm -hmm. and investments I was learning, right? And so then from there, the next biggest step off there was, the painting fencing company is going great, but also I went on Dr. Boyce Watkins channel and I had over 600 paid phone consultations okay. and I couldn't even like go to work because I had to like do all this email and back and forth to book these calls. So how, how'd, you, how'd you get on this channel to begin with? So the, the, I call it the black connection, which is Andre C. Hatchet, oh, because God. I, <laughs> for, for the intense, the best way to say it, I didn't really even realize black YouTube existed. If that makes sense. I'm trying to say it in a nice way. I just didn't even know it existed like that. And then all of a sudden he's like, Hey, come on over here. And I was like, what's over there? <laughs> and so, um, it just being this whole little niche. And so, uh, and that's how I got over there, but it was, it was the life-changing moment. You know what I mean? It was like, it, it changed everything. The projection of things, how I was doing things, um, you know, how I introduced myself to folks because I had friends who were probably like, girl, just get a job, get a, go back and get your job. Cause the painting company, it's slowly, slowly. And then it went, right. So, um, and fencing is so easy because you can drive by somebody's house and see your fence, you know, need some repair, right. Any of those things. But that was the big turning point where I just saw myself different. I saw business differently. I was like, okay, I'm really a business person. Like this is a real thing happening. So. Okay. And just to go back to black YouTube, what, what's the, who are some folks that we should check out <laughs> on black YouTube? Cause I don't think I'm over there. I need to check it out. I just kinda well, gotta... well, here's the difference. Here's it is like, you know, um, the algorithm sometimes has a little funny business going on. Right. Yeah. And there's people who have great quality channels and I've never heard of, like, like here's how big YouTube is and to give you guys a, a grasp of it. There's 30 million YouTube channels. Mm-hmm. 
30 million. So, and then on top of that, 90% of all YouTube videos never get over a thousand views. Mm-hmm. So if you get over a thousand views, you're already in the 10%, 10% of YouTube, mm-hmm. right? So then you only have about 76,000 channels that have actual over a thousand subscribers. So there's just a lot of stuff that's just thrown out here yeah. and it's no direction, no aim. And I tell it's because people don't treat it like a business. They treat it like a hobby. And so in my class and the things I teach people, I was like, okay, what's the strategic way to make this a real business? You don't have to have millions of views to make millions of dollars. It's okay. very... Like I've done over 6,000 pay consult stations and my prices aren't cheap. An hour with me is a thousand bucks. Uh, 30 minutes is 500. Okay. Uh, I'm doing a special right now for it's like 200, but like for 30 minutes, but, but over the years, you know what I'm saying? You just do the math. It's courses, consulting, events, speaking. This can be really a business if you choose to make it one. Okay. Okay. And so, um, but Black YouTube is, we make a joke that Black YouTube, we are underrated, underviewed, right? Uh-huh. Um, the worst stuff gets sent up, you know, as a viral moment, but it's, it's, it's really some high quality, con- you know, uh, content over here. Uh-huh. Just sometimes we just call it black YouTube as a joke. Like, Hey man, I couldn't find you anywhere. Like, where you been, man? The algorithm, <laughs> Skynet, <laughs> you know, the culture, right? EYL. I've talked to several white people and they're like, who? Yeah. And they're huge. Right. But again, uh-huh. it's that they're over here. Yeah, so, I was at, I, yeah, I was at a physical therapist the other day. Got head on that the assets over like, but like she was say right there, and he was like, "Oh, what's that?" And I was like, "Oh, EY." And he was like, "Oh, never heard of that. I'll check it out." But never. yeah, to me, like I'm just like <laughs> everybody knows who that is. Like, how do you not know a story? Exactly. Like, yeah. Um, well, a big thing I try to get people to understand too is you can be huge here. I mean, Kevin Samuels had a million subs, but if I brought up Kevin Samuels, the most random white lady, she'd be like, "Who?" Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? You can be, and this is something, if you guys go back and read Tim Ferriss, which I I love Tim Ferriss. I hate that he like, he was too early on the trend. So now he's not as popular, but Tim Ferriss wrote a book called The 4-Hour Workweek. And I'd be like, everybody must know this book. Uh And I run into millennials and Gen Z's who are like, who? Um, But he was the the tip of the spear on that, that you could come on here and have like 10,000 diehard fans and nobody know right? <laughs> like, like I throw a bowl party every year and it's like a hundred of like the diehard best, you know what I mean? Like the best that come and they, we have a great time and events make money. You know, I do conferences. It's, it, that's just sometimes the internet's that way. Okay. Right. You ever see like older rappers and they still got like, you know, Nas and all them, they do a, that they do a tour is sold out. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. You yeah ask yeah. the young people, they're like, who? <laughs> yeah. That's what I, I love and hate about YouTube. You'd be over here just like, I'm famous. Uh-huh. They'd be like, who? <laughs> yeah, my, my two favorite verses from last year was was uh, uh, Dipset and the Locks and then Bone Thugs and, and 3-6. I was like, really, from my childhood. They <laughs> made those. so much money off that. Like the yeah. dude, um, the Dipset dude, not the Dipset dude, the other guy, the Locks, when he started rapping freestyle, yeah. all his albums popped up on Apple Play the next day, like millions of dollars. He owns all his masters. Uh-huh. He probably laughed all the way to the bank, dude. Yeah, all yeah. the way up and down New York streets laughing. Well, most, most, most definitely, most definitely. Um, and then so you're, you're at the, you started the painting company, um, you're doing, you kind of diving into to YouTube. How do you get to the point where you're educating yourself on like, is it from YouTube, all these topics, like including like diving into to real estate at that point? Uh, so, so before I left for Texas, I tried to get a tax uh, deed downtown. Okay. And this guy kept upset bidding me and an upset bid only had to be 5% or 750, right? And so this guy kept doing that for about a good six months. And then, and then six months, I just, I let it go, right? I'm like, what the crap? And what I learned is 
hey, you know, one of the guys took me aside. I said, you don't have to come to the courthouse. You can do stuff online. Okay. And that's when I learned, oh, wait, I can go online and I can find all this stuff. Um, I can do tax liens in multiple cities, multiple states. And again, you know, there's a difference between tax lien, tax lien certificate, and tax deeds. Sometimes in our in our community, you see people talk about, well, I bought something in Gary, Indiana for $500. Uh-huh. Okay, it's Gary, Indiana. It's, it's abandoned. <laughs> Who cares? Uh-huh. Right? It's near Chicago, but it's not. Right? Um, and so nine times out of 10, I tell people, you know, if you look at tax liens every year, you got about a good $15 billion into taxes every year that go delinquent. Okay. Every year. Um, South Carolina was always my favorite because I could invest in like a $400 tax tax lien in, in uh you know Columbia, uh, charleston south carolina and by march the person would pay it you know uh south carolina has like a 98 percent redemption rate okay and you'd be like what's going on in march taxes they get their tax refund uh-huh. right and then even if they didn't get their tax refund a lot of places like florida and stuff they have these two-year redemptions and people just make small payments so a lot of times people say well erica you're advocating tax liens you're taking grandma's house no 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 we're not Tax liens, 90% of the time, is just us covering the tax bill so that the city can pay firemen, teachers, yeah. garbage men, the parks, the library. You know, they have a budget, whether you pay your tax bill or not. Yeah. But they're going to tax you on the back end. I'm going to get 18%. I'm going to get 10%. I'm going to get 12% on the back end. So whether you're, whether let's say all else is terrible and this property goes to foreclosure and it's getting ready to get auctioned off, my tax lien is backed by the government. So no matter who buys it, what the auction outcomes are, if you go back and get your own property, I still have to be paid my 18% right off the rip. Okay, so we say 18%. So you you buy, um, you purchase a tax lien, let's say it's, uh, make the numbers, let's say it's $100. And so whether they redeem it or not, you, so if they redeem it, you still get $118. Is that how that works? 100 and whatever it is, 18%. So Florida, you're talking about 18%. Um, Texas is a tax deed state. If it goes to Super Tuesday, which is what we call here in Texas, Houston and Dallas, Super Tuesdays, you need a team though. They're big. The Super Super Tuesdays in Texas are like eight dudes on the county steps, spaced out, yelling numbers, yelling stuff. It's crazy. But what happens is, let's say I buy a tax deed in, in Texas. Texas is really good too. They let you rack that thing up to almost fifty thousand, a hundred thousand. They let you get your taxes way back before mm-hmm. they do that process. Well, if you want to buy that property back from me, you got to bring twenty five percent. I don't care if it's two hours later. You got to bring twenty five percent of whatever that tax deed was to get your property back. So most people don't yeah. get it back, right? Now, here's the thing too about Texas. This is where the wholesalers, when you guys are paying attention, this is all strategy, right? Wholesalers know. You're not going to be able to pay that tax lien back, right? Because yeah. it done got this far. They're going to come to your house before it's tip Super Tuesday and be like, hey, you want to sell me your house? I'll get this lien off your credit. I'll get this, pro- you know, you get to make some money off this property. They don't just get to take it and everybody wins. And so when I talk about tax liens, I just tell people it's just a strategy, mm-hmm. right? There are a lot of retirees who they put hundreds of thousand dollars into tax liens in Florida because they know at the end of the day, in the next six months to two years, they're going to get 18 percent returns on their money. What bank is going to do that for them? Yeah. So what's, I guess, what's the downside? Why wouldn't, like, why would everybody do that? I mean, 18 percent return. 
every city is different. Every place is different. South Carolina can be the first three months is 3%. The next six months, next three months of that is 6%. It, next, if it gets to nine months of you waiting for them to pay it back, it's 9%. So certain places are different. Some places are only 10, 12%. Some places are only 15%. Robert Kiyosaki made it pretty popular, I think maybe in the late 2000s, talking about tax liens. But most people don't think long-term. You see people out here on the internet, they all about how can I flip this money fast? How can I get 90 days and my money come back? And how can I flip it in 100%? They don't think long-term that, hey, I know I've got 100 tax liens out there and money's going to keep coming to my account in perpetuity. You know what I'm saying? They don't think like that. Nobody, a lot of people don't. And I also tell people it's a strategy. So some of my students are in Georgia. Okay, and they're like Georgia has a tax lien, tax lien certificate, tax deed in some counties. They're they're mixed, but they make you come to the courthouse. Georgia's an old boy network. They don't want this whole <laughs> internet. You gonna be on the internet? They don't. They want to see your face. All right. So, <laughs> so some of my students are making what they would do is they would go to the. They had vacant land. Nobody was paying taxes on. They had vacant properties. Nobody's paying taxes on. They bid. They paid two thousand five hundred. Nobody's on it. It's vacant automatically they run over get a quick i'm just gonna oh they run over to court we'll, we'll go into more on that in the course and they get their uh name on the title to assume property and then you know some of them next two months they sell the property vacant property for three to 10x like some of my students got them for 2500 and making mm-hmm. end up selling the properties for 30k vacant land because a builder doesn't want to go through all that process a builder just wants mm-hmm. to buy vacant land mm-hmm and you got to understand, like, everybody in the real estate process is in their own little, you will talk to builders and be like, hey, why don't you buy this tax? Lease? I don't got time for that. Yeah, yeah. They're like, I just want the property yeah. ready to go, ready for me to do my perk test, ready for me to do all my stuff, and go on about my business. So there's there's niches, you know what I mean? There's niches in all real estate. But do, do you have to be a um, a resident, like, of the state, or, like, can I just go to, I can just go to Florida website? or mm-hmm. You can go tax? right now, anywhere. I mean, you can go to Charleston, you can go to Charleston, South Carolina, you can go to Macon right now. We can pull up on Macon right now. The uh, They have theirs under, if I'm not mistaken, let me not lie to you. I think they have theirs listed under the land bank. But I have to I show go to Macon County. In Georgia, huh? I have to show my face though in Georgia. I would have to go. Yeah, you have to go to oh, okay. Georgia. That's, okay. That's the difference, right? But any of these other ones, you can do, I mean, you can do almost all the counties in Florida, um, almost all the counties in New Jersey, all the counties in a lot of places. Chicago's on here. Maryland's on here. You can pretty much do just about any any place you can think of on these websites. The ones I talk about like here, like without ever leaving your house, just in your pajamas. Okay. And so you, you, you talked about... Um... Tax liens, tax. What is the difference between those? Those mm-hmm. ones. So, that a, so a tax lien is the tax bill on your property, and mm-hmm. so they're really not. We're not buying your house. We're buying the tax lien. But here's the caveat: If you're in Alabama, it's called tax lien certificate. If you're in Gary, Indiana, it's called tax lien certificate. So that certificate is available to be sold. Okay. I know it's a, it's a slight of difference, but it is. So then. You have uh, tax deeds where it's the actual, that tax bill is, is a tax sale, right? The closest you can think to Florida is Philly, right? Philly right now, they got that tax hike going, right? Well, then there's so many people worried, oh, they're going to they're gonna sell my house in a tax sale. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of steps to, before it gets to that, okay. right? A lot of these states work really hard with people to make sure, you know, they're not losing their homes. You know, if they're elderly, disabled, they have, you know, homestead exemptions, mm-hmm. A lot of these things are very flexible. And, and New Jersey is very popular too because it's a tax lien certificate and tax lien certificate. 
and it's 18%. Okay. Yeah, so I, th I think that's a good point. I think that's one thing to point out is like it's a lot of times folks think, and there, there are villains everywhere, but, you know, mm -hmm. diabolical folks, but the, the government, they're not, they don't want to take, they're not role. trying to actively take your own. Like I said, they, they make money when the taxes are paid on the property. So <laughs> exactly. The property's sitting there and, and there are no taxes being paid. Like they're they're taking uh, an L as far as, as, far as that. Um, so let, let, let's say I want to uh, actually do something with the, the, the land. So like I purchased, uh, I know you got to give an example on your videos. Like I purchased a, a plot of land that's like $10,000. You said typically mm -hmm. you can like own or finance it for like 10% down or kind of, now, now I know you want to give out too much of the secret sauce, but kind of what's, <laughs> what, what's high level as far as um, if I want to actually do something with the land. So, so prime example, um, I go on Facebook, we'll just do it like that. I go on the Facebook marketplace often um, <laughs> and several other locations where people are listing land for sale. Nine times out of 10, you guys got to realize 95% of America is rural. Mm -hmm. right off the rip 95% of America is considered rural so it may be some land that's just 10 minutes out of town five minutes out of town or in a corner section where nobody really pays it any attention and a person will be listing it for sale you know 3k 5k 10k nine times out of ten what I do if, if they're marketing it to list or sell they'll go hey you know we're open to owner financing but this is what we want Nine times out of ten, people know the land land sale game, and they'll go, "Hey, you give me a thousand dollars down, <laughs> make two hundred dollar a month payments, and you know within five years this will be yours." Well, here's the caveat: I can't start building on that land until I pay that note, right? That's just just how it is, so that I have full ownership of it. Because if not, they have a lien. And so nine times out of ten, you'll have people buy land somewhere, kind of waiting for the area to develop. But you can make improvements and assessments to that property to make it more valuable. So there's a lot of stuff to do. But the the basic is if I go looking for land lots mm -hmm. and I can get, you know, four or five in the same little street, same little area, which is something I'm doing right now in Granbury, well, I can turn around and go talk to a builder or a GC in the area like, hey, here's my vision. I want to build on all four of these lots at the same time. Let's go ahead and get the assessments and things get rolling, permits, and start building from scratch because spec investors, spec builders on average make 100 to 150,000, right? It's the big right. builders you see building up whole neighborhoods. They only make 10K per house. That's why they smash them up so close together. Okay. And it's really because, let's be honest, you ever been in a neighborhood while they're building? There's material laying everywhere. There's people running in and out. No one's on time. Sure. When you have a spec builder or a builder that's like, this is my property, they usually get those houses built in four months because they're there every day. And they're on top of each person that comes in and doing each part. Okay, you're here, you're here next, you're here next, you're here next. Like it's it's not these big gaps where the houses are just sitting empty waiting on mm -hmm. somebody's schedule, you know, and they're just lazy, right? Thank you. Thank you. Could you give a, uh, just a high level view of what what exactly is owner financing? So like I own a piece of land and mm -hmm. I want, and like I'm say I'm the owner financer. Like how, how, do you, how do I go about that? Like as far as owner financing for somebody else on the on the other end? So owner financing in Texas has a little bit of a caveat and they're starting to do that in other places too. But here in Texas, let's say it's a house. And I know many people that've got wealthy this way. They got a house. It's worth a hundred K, you know, I'm just calling it what it is. And they go, Hey, okay, Billy, Billy Sheena, give me five to 10 K down. Right. I'm gonna hold it here. You're going to make these payments. And within, um, you know, three years, cause that's really Texas law within three years, you need to be able to get a mortgage approved. Right that mortgage will come and buy out the rest of this amount. So Texas is big on the three-year rule. Um, but I know a lot of old mom school, mom and pop law, you know, school people who still hold the notes for 10 years. Okay. 
And that's the classic, right? You buy this 100K house, you put five to 10K down, you're making payments, but here's the, here's the hiccup, right? The average person in America changes jobs every two to three years. Mm -hmm. So if this person at some point in the journey doesn't technically own this house, it's more lively that they'll walk away. Now, the thing with owner financing too, is you have to evict them like a regular, even if it's a mortgage eviction, you have to evict them out. Okay. But okay. so, so here's the thing. This is why I tell people, I said, it's better for you to get your credit cleaned up. And in three years, either way, you can buy a house. If you don't, can't make this one work, you can buy something else. Because think about what happened in 2020. There are people who were home yeah. for work for six, seven, eight, nine months, not yeah. paying. It takes on average or foreclosure, regular foreclosure, 941 days. Oh, wow. Okay. But if you got some owner finance, mom and pop, they're getting you out in <laughs> yeah, probably yeah, 60 yeah. days. Uh -huh. So I always tell people, I'm like, think ahead for yourself, you know? But it's a good opportunity if you use it right. Okay. Okay. Thank you. And um, so let let's say um, I'm going to do I'm going to look up some tax liens. Like so, I'm here in, in Dallas. Let's say I want to I want to go to Florida and check out some 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 uh, tax liens in Florida. Um, is there a particular way or, or recommendation you can make to make sure I'm actually buying a property that's that's going to be worth something? Like do you, do you look at like the surrounding areas or kind of? You have actually GSI maps. You have great technology that you use now. You, you use GIS maps. You can see Google maps. You can see drone photos. They give really good data um, now with the, whenever you go look on the city's information. Uh, a lot of times with a GSI map, y'all, it starts out, it looks like a green map. Okay. And then you niche it down, niche it down. You can see the city view. You can see the street view. It's like when you play around with Google maps. Okay. You can kind of see like if, if, the prop, if there's a tax lien for four hundred dollars and it's in florida you're like uh what's that look like usually with bigger houses and commercial properties it's going to be in the thousands okay so so sometimes people will be like oh i found something and it was like four thousand dollars and i'm like okay that sounds about right if it's a big old house if you're in charleston south carolina or parts of columbia yeah the tax bill might be two hundred three hundred dollars okay. might be small right okay. so it just depends on the area um but there's a combination of research now the thing that um well, you got to realize what Florida has got gives you that two-year window. A person might take the whole full two years. It might be somebody's estate. Somebody might have died. You never know what's going on. But even if it takes the two full years, right, and they turn around and have to auction this house off, you still are going to be the first person paid out. Okay. Sometimes there's a reason. There's a reason why a person's not paying. 90% of the time, they just ain't got the money or they ain't got it right now. Most people don't want to lose their home because you realize how expensive housing is in America. Most people are like, well, I'll just go pay $20 a month downtown until sure. I pay my bill. Mm -hmm. That's how most people are going to do it. Okay. Thank you. So, so you mentioned kind of, you know, um, housing in, in, uh, in America right now and, um, you know, home prices going up like they always do. They've obviously gone up a lot quicker the last um, two years due to, to a lot of different, different factors. Um, so I was actually watching uh, another one of your videos. I think it was either today or yesterday you put it out, but it was talking about um, basically the, the rich versus people, um, hopefully not hopefully, but potentially becoming homeless. Can you talk a little bit, um, about that, like kind of the, the gap you may see, but you may see coming between the, the haves and the haves nots in the, in the real estate space. For sure. So I think I, I speak later this year, uh, July 5th at the Scale it Up Summit in Panama on, I actually speak on like ed, ec, economics, which is most people think I'm going to speak on real estate, but no, I'm going to speak on economics because I've been kind of championing that for a few years on my channel. What people have to understand is we, we went to an asset-based society in 1971, right? <laughs> like off the gold standard, right? But if you notice, people say, well, look at the, um, the Indians coming in America and some of the African groups, they're the wealthiest people in America. And it's like, 
because they have the system down, it's a asset-based system, right? If you own assets, he who owns the most assets win kind of system. Uh, uh-huh. It's a monopoly. America is very much a like play in the game of monopoly. And so if you come into America and you buy your house, you own your cars, you have insurance policies, you have some stocks, and maybe you even have a business. Yeah, you're, you're doing great. You're winning, right? And, and this is a number I always say, because I find it very telling. One in 10 Asian Americans own their own business. One in 34 whites, one in 54 Hispanics, and one in 108 Blacks. Now, people say, well, Erica, I'm tired of LLC Twitter out here talking about owning a business. And I go, if you pay attention, I wrote a book a couple of years ago calling it the 1099 economy because that's where we were going, where Mm -hmm. these companies don't want to have you. Like the gig economy thing is just introducing you to, hey, you're going to 1099 for the next 10 years. Companies are moving to right to work states. Um, You're going to have to worry about your own taxes. This is just something I see bigger play out in the future. So the biggest thing I always concern myself with is they had this crazy article that was silly, really, but it was like in 2050, Blacks and Hispanics are not going to have any wealth. What's the determinations of wealth, y'all? Like, let's calm down. Let's pull our emotions out of it. Okay, do you want to, do you own a house? Do you own any stocks? Do you own any insurance? You can read, what's his name? Kimbrough book on millionaires of Black millionaires. The average black millionaire has money in two places, real estate, mostly their home and to their business. Mm-hmm. That's it. They don't even buy into the products and services and all this other stuff. But you read all these books, they're telling you, hey, listen, you need to own, you know, an investment, you know, uh, either insurance, you need to own different things you need to own. That's this table. Um, in my book, I wrote it. It's like a table. So okay. on the table, coming down on the table is your bills, your family, your kids' college, healthcare expenses, your parents are ailing, you have to take care of them, vacations, everything. All these things are hitting the table. You can't expect one leg, which is your job, to hold the table up. It needs other things to hold the legs up of the table. And even when you talk about pensions with elderly folks right now, okay, pensions was was just one part, one third. Pensions, then your social security, and then some other money that you set aside. And so a lot of people are saying, oh, I'm going to retire, right? They have these big numbers where they're like 10,000 baby boomers are going to retire every day for the next 15 years. A lot of them are not going to retire. They don't have anything saved in an asset-based society. So you're going to see this big divide. Like I live in Texas, you live in Texas. You see these master plan communities. Yeah, sure. Nobody to prosper in Frisco where the kids are driving golf carts yeah. and they got a lagoon. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have one of the communities with the lagoon. Yeah, I live like on this right, right near that. So yeah, not your top. Yeah, they're about. building a couple, two more lagoons up there. And and uh-huh. here's the thing: the master plan community they don't bust your child in. Your child has to be in that neighborhood to go to those schools. They mm-hmm. built those schools inside the master plan community mm-hmm. and built the grocery stores around it. Mm-hmm. So people are saying, "Well, what does that matter?" The number one way in America, in my opinion, that people grow, get wealthy, blow up, interact is exposure. Yeah. So if your kid can't be exposed to the wealthy neighborhood because it's gated and they can't go to that school and it's got the best technology, the best teachers, the best everything, you're getting leftovers. You're, you're the number one best thing about America is exposure, yeah. is being exposed to opportunities. Every time I moved as a military kid, I found all these new jobs I never heard of. When I moved to Austin, I talked to people and they're like, oh, I do this. I'm like, what is that? Yeah. I'm a grown person. I ask somebody, what is this job? Uh-huh. I've never heard of that, right? Um, and so what happens is we're going to have this big, massive have and have nots. And, you know, you just saw the article where it's like, oh, 93% of cities Black people can't afford to live in. Yeah. Okay, if you can't afford to live in a city, where are you going to live? Mm-hmm. 
in the rural areas. They push you out to the badlands, you know, jokingly, but like you go over there, (laughs) right? And so you're going to have this massive divide, but it's a whole choice at this point. It's the decisions we make today, right? If 60% of black people are not homeowners, they're renters. And we're the number one thing we're complaining about every day is housing. Yeah. It's like somebody else is getting to choose where you live. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, yeah. Eric, I'll make all this money. I can live anywhere. Uh-uh, not if they should not that say you can't live over there. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's very clear. Like, no, you you will not live over there. I live in Austin, Texas. And um a funny thing is they're like, they're pushing us out. They're pushing us out. They really aren't. <laughs> the people that own homes, the black people I know that still own homes areas, they're living their life. They're loving it. They got yeah, their yeah. tenants, they're having a great time. Yeah, that's that, that's one of the things about 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 owning is it, it kind of it's kind of like a um what's the thing called it it it, okay, it, it, it compounds I mean so like you live in the neighborhood um the, the houses the prices go up then you know more taxes those taxes go to the school district now the houses are worth better because they're better schools and it, yeah just kind of it kind of it kind of just build builds on its on itself I know like where where I live up here there was this and it's also you know having access to stuff you have access to knowledge so like. Where I live, like uh, two neighborhoods over, there was like this neighborhood that was like super, super expensive. And I could not, me and my wife could not figure out like why it was so expensive. It's like, mm-hmm. this is the exact same neighborhood that we live in, like a mile east. Like, mm-hmm. why is this so expensive? And this, so this is like five years ago. Two years ago, like we found out that they were moving like the PJ headquarters, literally right mm-hmm. next to it. So there was like this big plot of land and like literally the PJ headquarters is right next to that land. And so- Obviously, those people had had, had knowledge that that was coming. Mm-hmm. Like some somehow people knew that was coming. Like Economic people, development, yeah. It's on every city's page in this super expensive neighborhood that made no sense. And why the houses were like a hundred thousand dollars more. And now those are probably like million dollar houses. Like if we had known, we definitely would have like overpaid for one of those uh, houses <laughs> in that in that neighborhood. But yeah, we didn't have access to whatever whatever those people who were buying those overpriced houses literally a mile over um, had. Had, had knowledge about so yeah 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 you know more more access more knowledge uh um, exposure yeah yeah exposure yeah really really helps where you're um it really helps in the in the in the the life process as as well um and so um i know your, your youtube channel you interview like a lot of people like uh check out the youtube channel if you've never heard of her somehow but check it out there's like a lot of people a lot of different topics like what are some of like the um i don't know if you want to rank people what are some of like the favorite like side hustles or, or favorite businesses that you've kind of had on your on your channel that folks may not even think hey people can make money doing you know x y x y or z I, i'm always i'm always curious to see things that people sometimes overlook like i had andre hatcher on a lot for mobile notary mm-hmm. people charging 200 300 because they're coming to you right yeah. when i had to get my fingerprints done to conceal carry i had to go to the courthouse i hated it i was like mm-hmm. i got and they made you stand behind these bars to get fingerprints i was like this is stupid uh-huh. and they're like yeah we never moved it you know and so it's like as a person to be, if I had kids or, or if I was just home, I didn't want to do, if I knew that was experience, I would have paid somebody to come to my house and take my fingerprint. Uh-huh. Right. There's certain things that, you know, time is so valuable over money. Yeah. Um, I had the guy come on talking about diabetic test strips. He surprises me. Um, I've had people come on pallet reselling Ashley J. Um, I've had, which, which I haven't had her on the channel yet, but I've talked about her products and services. There's just several people I've had on over the years that just always surprise me. Like, Oh, that makes money. Uh-huh. And and that's why I tell people it's like it's just exposure. I like exposing yeah. people to new people, new things, stuff they never heard about, and that allows them to make a decision. 
right? Because so many people's excuses, nobody taught me nothing. Nobody showed me. I just had to sell drugs because that's all I saw. And I get so tired of that because I'm like, baby, you find everything else you want on that cell phone. That's a computer in your pocket. You can find some other stuff, right? If you start telling people about technical writing, Kamoy on the channel, I mean, she was living in Mexico doing the show, Uh writing, you know, for companies in America. Um, A lot of our tech people that come on always surprise me. I think a lot of times people go, and there's a study that's showing that, let's say there's, let's say you're, you qualify for maybe 60% of this job. Men will apply. (laughs) They got the audacity. Men have some kind of superpower inside them. They're like, I'm apply. I don't care. And women will be like, well, I don't have the qualifications. I won't apply. And so when we have recruiters on different people on the channel, they talk about apply for everything. You'd Mm -hmm. be surprised. These companies are training people because they they really want people who are just at least hungry enough to come in. So my big thing I see in the future, um, I tell people there's going to be a choosing class, a settling class, and a stuck class. These people in this stuck class, they're going to be always moving around, getting pushed uh-huh. to wherever because they they just don't know or they don't make enough income. And then the settlement class is where they kind of like, they know a little bit better, but they're not doing necessarily better. They've kind of just settled. They decided that's fine. Um, and the choosing class are people that's just going to choose. They're going to pick up, move, do whatever. They're going to be traveling, vacations. I told people, um, watch the vacation places. I looked up beaches and vacation rentals for my family for the rest of the year because our family does uh, organized group trips. They're mostly booked out. These people are going to Florida. These people are going to Hawaii. They're going, mm-hmm. to, they're going on vacations, right? But if you were to ask the average everyday person, places like Charlotte, Dallas. Oh, it's so hard here. And you'd be like, in Dallas? Uh Oh, ain't no jobs here. But (laughs) And so sometimes you're going, it's a lack of exposure because there's just no way, dude. It's your mindset. Dallas is right. Like hundreds of people come there a day and make it and live great neighborhoods, right? The number one thing I hear, um, I'd have Tim Jackson on my channel. And at the end of the, I think like three years, there was like over like 20 people who moved to Dallas Mm -hmm. and bought a house from him and stuff. Okay. And it was just kind of like the exposure of of Texas. They moved, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah. That that's that's one one uh, super interesting thing. Like, so actually, I just got on the internet like two years ago. I just was not on Facebook, not on Instagram. And like, I, I've I've learned so much. And I got on like at the beginning of the pandemic, just you know, was bored. Let's see what's going on on Instagram, or Facebook. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I've, I've I've just learned so much in the last year about you know um, side hustles and all that. Like. Uh, Really, like, like Charles probably always credit him with kind of introducing me to entrepreneurship. Like, I never thought that, hey. Yeah, I, I interviewed him way at the beginning, and I, I keep that. Like, look at that little skinny Charles face when he first came out. Yeah, like, I thought you had to be, like, some super special person to, to like, start your own business. It's just you need some some work ethic, determination, and you got to it's some execution, basically, in order to to, um, to do stuff. Um, and so you talked a little bit at the beginning about you, you have a, a boat party in, in, in August. I do every year, man. Well, listen, you know, the pandemic's kind of made it weird, but uh, we get on this double-decker boat that holds 50 people and we go out there two-stepping, cutting up on the water in Austin because people don't realize Austin, Texas is is like basically a giant aquifer in Lake City. Like we have water everywhere. We're a part of hill country. So we're kind of at the middle of hill country. There's some counties a little higher than us and then San Antonio is below us sort of like this. It waves down. And so every year, this year will be different. This year we have the winery event. We'll have over probably 115 people. I'm I'm trying to make sure they have enough tables because <laughs> I'm like capping the tickets, but we'll have a whole winery to ourselves on a whole Friday, August oh, wow. 19th, wine, cheese, appetizers, but then the actual full meal, like two choices of meats, veggies, 
more wine right. <laughs> and we, we have this thing where we kind of everybody mingles and talks and um we also will have a matchmaker band playing live music and oh. they jam they're like motown but they like you know they play everything right they're like a, a party band and so i just always make it a good event because every time i have an event i get about 20 girls or women they'll message me back later men too they'll be like hey i partnered with this guy we bought a truck i'm like great hey yeah. i partnered with this girl we bought a short-term rental in gulf Shore, alabama somewhere you know uh-huh. we just want to thank you and i'm like thanks like and yeah. so i like the event because it allows you guys to mingle with each other the people you see online all the time you see them offline and in person and it's just fun okay that's 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 dope that's dope um pre- appreciate your, your your time uh so far um the last question I always ask folks is, um, let's say I give you a million dollars and you have a week to spend it on something real estate related adjacent. What would you do with it? Ooh, how much are you going to give me again? Uh, a million. A million. I think with a million, I'd either build, I'd either get five acres and build a, and start to build the process. Cause I know I can get the funding a 105 unit apartment building near central Texas or I would build probably three if I just had cash, three or four like nice houses. Okay. Not say when I say nice, I mean three to thousand six hundred square foot, something near a vacation area where I could rent those bad boys out. Because I know with the mill, I could build three. Okay. Okay. Three land lots. Get put a little hot tub in the backyard. You know, or hey, probably buy a duplex in Carolina Beach if you gave me that. I'm okay. giving them options. I'm giving them <laughs> options because I would literally, the mind races. I'd be like, oh yeah, I could do that too. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. But okay. yeah, I'd probably buy less. Like I said, the perfect ideal, I'd buy a duplex on Carolina Beach because they okay. rent out, they make tons of money. Then the year after all expenses paid, you'll probably walk away with 120 each side. Income. Okay. 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 Awesome. Um, so where where can the the good folks find you at? They can find me on YouTube, Erica Williams, Classy Climb. Um red banner right now i think the banner's red and blue right now but yeah i i put out a lot of content but i i love it um i'm kind of on a hundred day push and then i'll be in europe <laughs> for the the fall of the year i'll be in europe. Uh, yes i saw that you said you're taking some time off that's what that's mm-hmm. the, the europe trip okay yep i'll be in europe i'll be in like three croatia but budapest hungary uh montenegro and greece okay and then i'll probably go back to zanzibar again <laughs> okay. i mean we're, i'm tempted to buy something there but we'll see how long are you going to be out there? We're doing, I'm doing like two full months. Like I want to have like a, like a Euro experience. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to be gone. <laughs> okay. Well, wow. Okay. Wow. That's a uh, two, two months out here. Yeah. I've been to Europe a couple of times, but they, they were all sponsored by the, the U.S. Navy. So I didn't really. <laughs> Listen, my cousin did the Navy at a whole family. So we got like 41 family members do the military. We got this one cousin like, I'm going to do the Navy. And everybody's like, why? Uh-huh. <laughs> but then he got to do Spain like a bunch of times. So we're like, all right, we can't even talk smack. Yeah, I've been to about, I've actually counted them once because I've, I've been to at least 20 countries. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been probably 15, so I've probably been to maybe 25, 30, but probably 15 of them are, are in Europe along the, the Mediterranean um, coast yeah. and all that. It's pretty much pretty much anything on that coast I've, I've been to those countries I, I got i got lucky on my my tours in the navy i just um we did a lot of just port hopping sometimes folks just sit in the water for for months that on it but, uh, <laughs> but yeah somehow I, I somehow we pulled it off that i got to go just port hopping and so like the longest i've actually ever been at sea is like it's probably 10 to 14 days and that's just driving from the east coast over to um across the pond so yeah i got a 
Got lucky in my, my two deployments. You so. really did, because I tell yeah. you, some of them be sounding so sad on them little boats. I'm like, it's not that bad, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, thanks. I hope to see you in August, if nothing else. Uh, but I'll be back in Dallas for some events here soon. Okay, yeah, definitely. I was, I was trying to plot it in my, my head, because I know, um, yeah, seems seems dope. So I know I would go. Um, I've got to get clear from my wife and all this stuff. But I was like, the wine thing. Maybe I can drag her along too because she she's a. It's it'll be a, it'll be a blast. It'll uh-huh. be a blast. Uh-huh. 